Welcome to Tucson New Thought. I have for many, I have for many, many years thought, oh, I'd like to try writing music. I'd like to try writing music. And I always like, we'll write down a little melody line. I'm like, ah, I don't really like that. And I don't know, something just moved through me a few weeks ago. I was like, nope, this is it. It's coming through me. I hear it. And I hear it like I hear the hook. I hear the song. It's like it's all happening. Is it the best song in the world? No. <laughs> but I don't need it to be. It's something that, that, that came through me. And I'm so grateful to have that. And it's like, wow. I look at it, I'm like, I actually wrote a song, and I sang it publicly, <laughs> not, just, not just in my shower. Yeah, and everybody online has now heard me sing my song. It's out, it's out in the world. Wow. They're, they're asking. It's my agent calling. He's like, get that song out to the publishers. Let's get it in the world. Oh, today I choose to lead with love. Clearly when I came up with a theme for the month, which is taking action in love, that's about the time this, this, this idea for the song came through me. And then today's talk, what's the lead? What is the lead? In any given moment, what is the lead? How are you leading? How are you moving forward? How are you showing up in the world? Are you showing up as love? Are you choosing to lead with love? And it is a choice to lead with love. I've had some experiences in my life, I know nobody else here has, that um, were not so loving and kind, that were rooted in something that I initiated. And what I've come to discover as I've moved through this expression to become a, a new thought minister, to become a religious science minister, is it's not so much fun when I'm not leading with love in my life anymore. I used to think, I, I, don't, know, I don't know, actually, I don't know what I thought. I don't know what I thought. I don't know what it was within me that thought, oh, well, it'll be good to be a total jerk right now. But sometimes that comes up and I think, oh, you know, we act out of anger, we act out of fear, and that results in an expression that is not so kind and loving. But when we step back and remember who we are, I think we begin to understand that we can do nothing but lead with love when we are rooted in that understanding of who we are. The reading is right. We have the same mind as Christ. We are all in this together. We are all sharing the same universal energy, the same universal mind. Ernest Holmes writes, we cannot find God outside the self because we cannot go outside the self. There is no place where we begin and God leaves off. We can find God only within ourselves. One of my favorite practices, and this is one of my favorite quotes, one of the things that I do as a practice is I replace the word God with some of the attributes we use to describe God in this philosophy. We cannot find peace outside the self because we cannot go outside the self. There is no place where we begin and peace leaves off. 
we can only find peace within ourselves. We cannot find life outside the self because we cannot go outside the self. There is no place where we begin and life leaves off. We can, on, we can find life only within ourselves. We cannot find power outside the self because we cannot go outside the self. There is no place where we begin and power leaves off. We can find power only within ourselves. We cannot find love outside the self because we cannot go outside the self. There is no place where we begin and love leaves off. We can find love only within ourselves. Utilize any attribute that we use to describe this infinite creative power that we call God, not some thing, man, being out there, but that infinite creative power at the root of our soul, love, light, life, peace, power, beauty, wisdom, joy, when we understand that we cannot find any of those things outside ourselves because it is absolutely who and what we are, life just changes. It's so funny when I look at my notes sometimes and I think, do I really want to say that? And where did that come from? So, I, so I'm going to read the note to you because I, it clearly it meant something in the moment that I wrote it, and now it's, I'm allowing myself to sit with it for a moment. When Ernest, Holmes, when Ernest Holmes wrote The Science of Mind, oh, I know why, because I'm replacing the word God in this phrase. When he wrote The Science of Mind, the concept of blasphemy was still prevalent with him. Blasphemy. And what I've really come to realize is that we as a, uh, the New Thought culture, and even I think the larger culture through the work of, frankly, Oprah and you know, her, her, her cheerleading for what is essentially New Thought teachings, um, she has been very influential in bringing you know, people to the fore. The work of Deepak Chopra, the work of, uh, of Greg Braden, the work of Joe Dispenza, the work of Brene Brown. These are all people who are essentially teaching new thought principles in their own unique individualized way. I think that we are on the cusp or on the forefront of a new idea that freaks people out when I say it. Because the concept of blasphemy is to say that there is something separate. There is absolutely nothing separate. We can stand, we can stand up and exclaim for ourselves, I am God. But how do you feel when you do that? Oh, so now, you ready? I want everybody to say it out loud right after me. I want you to exclaim for yourself, I am God. I am God. How do you feel? Feels good, yeah? Or goddess? You are a goddess, yes? I don't know. God, God, is, in, God is a construct is gender neutral for me, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. But if goddess works for you? It depends upon your image of God. It depends upon your image of God. Well, I like to say that the image of God is who I see in the mirror. Right. And it is who I see when I encounter everyone else around me. The image of God is everything I encounter. That is God. So this concept of blasphemy, he was not ready at the time he wrote this book to step forth and say, I am God. But he was 
much closer towards the end, when he, when he, when he gave the seminar lectures, he, he said Troward didn't quite have it right. Because Troward said the absolute and the relative are separate things. He says no, Ernest Holmes said no. The relative is the absolute at the level of the relative. He said there's no separation. So he is essentially saying, I am God, we are God. Blasphemy. Here's the great news about knowing who you are. The great news about knowing who you are is you get to write the script of your life. It is a completely blank page until you decide what it should be. We are not predestined to anything which can be hard because sometimes even I fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, it's going to end up, it's going it's to show up like this. Whatever thing I fear probably is going to show up in my life. We are not predestined to anything. We get to create our lives anew in every single moment. So what is the script you are writing in this very moment? What is the script that you are writing? Are you writing a comedy? Are you writing a love story? Are you writing a horror story? You get to decide what you want your life to be. Ernest Holmes, again, says, as we shear the belief in separation from our consciousness, the chaos produced by it, the inhibitions and inner turmoil, we emerge on the other side of this chaotic mass and find that heaven was waiting there all the time. When we choose to let go of the chaos, when we choose to let go of the inhibitions, and I'll tell you, I am someone who has suffered from a lot of inhibitions in my life, which surprises people because I think I have a very gregarious stage persona. I think that has been expressed to me, but I'll tell you what, I have a lot of inhibitions that I still struggle through. I wrote a post on Facebook uh, right at the, well, the first of the month because June is Pride Month and I am a part of the LGBTQ community. And I wrote a post about how I still, after being out of the closet for, how old am I? 28 years. I've been out of the closet for 28 years and there are still times when I struggle with my identity as a gay man. But here's what I realized, oh my gosh, my, my decision to identify myself as a gay man is my decision. It is not based on any activity that I engage in. It is my decision to say, I am that I am. I am a gay man. Why don't I just say, I am? I am that I am. That's all that anybody really needs to know. You know, I oftentimes also align the idea of coming out of the closet as a gay man to the idea of coming out of the closet as a spiritual person because that was a lot harder. <laughs> Especially in the LGBTQ community, which a lot of people in that community reject spiritual philosophy, they reject religious uh, ideas because of the interaction between these communities, which has not always been great. And you still see it played out in ways that are not so great. So coming out as a spiritual person and then saying, I'm going to become a minister. Oh, I'll tell you, I had friends who said, you? You're going to become a minister? Yeah, because I found what works. I found what works for me. And I don't profess that it works for everybody, but I know that it works for me. And I put it to work. I put it to use in my life. In all of this, we are looking to lighten up, right? 
I'm so grateful that you are here today, Shania, because her, your workshop, you know, I did tell you, your workshop really enlightened my soul. I was able to step back and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I need to let go of some of these heavy ideas. But we live with enheaviment when we want to live in enlightenment. <laughs> Spiritual practice ultimately is meant to lighten our souls. But a lot of us get bogged down into the heaviness in spiritual practice, and we think if we don't get it just right, if we don't meditate for the right amount of time, if we don't pray in just the right way, then not, our lives are not going to show up the way we would like them to. And you know what? And so it is. We're the ones who decide that those things become heavy burdens in our life. But we should just get up, and you know what? If the prayer is not working, find something else that does work. Get up and dance. I'm not going to make you dance right now. <laughs> Maybe later. We need to lighten up. I need to lighten up. Actually, I'm not going to say we. I need to lighten up. I need to let it go. What is, what is it that is keeping us from the complete and total transformation that we seek by engaging in spiritual practice, by coming to a space on a Sunday where you listen to somebody yammer on for 20 minutes about this concept of spirituality? What is it that is keeping us from actually taking those things to heart and putting them into practice in our life and transforming in the way that we would like to be transformed? How many of you feel, well, I, this is kind of a loaded question because I expect every hand to, in this room to go up. How many of you feel that since coming into a spiritual practice, your life has transformed? Awesome. Awesome. Those of you who did not raise your hand... I think the thing to ask is, what is it that will transform me in the way that I would like to be transformed? Because if it's not this, there's something. Because you're in charge. You are writing the script. I, I have lived with a belief that I am still looking to release in my life. And that is the idea that hardship, on some level, is a necessary part of life. that I have to struggle in areas of my life. I wrote a song, and that song was not a struggle when I decided that writing music was not going to be a struggle. It was that simple, make a decision. But until that moment, I had lived in the belief that it was hard. I had lived within the belief that it was not going to be for me to be a music writer in this incarnation of life. So could a belief in, is, is, is hardship a necessary part of life? I think that's a big question. For me now, it is a false premise, and I choose to reject the idea that hardship is necessary to my expression of life. But what does it take ultimately to live in the new paradigm, releasing that misconception? It takes retraining the mind. It takes work. It can happen like that. It can. But the process of retraining the mind so that it is moving forward in the way we would like it to move forward is work. As, but as I always say, it's work until it's not work. Because there comes a point where there's a kind of a tipping point where 
you've done the work, and you've done the work, and you've done the work, and all of a sudden you're enlightened into this new mode of being that says, oh, I've done the work, and now I'm just living it. I'm living it. The, one, of, one of the mottos of uh, my, my mentor in ministry is do the work, live the results. And I have extended this to say, don't do the work, live the results. Because we are at choice. Part of retraining the mind is stating right here and right now that my lead is going to be to lead with love. My decision is to lead with love. Do you lead with love in all your interactions? Every single one, even if they can't hear you when you're driving your car and somebody cuts you off, are you leading with love in your response to the circumstances of your life? Or do you let yourself be led by something else? One is proactive. Leading with love is proactive. It is saying, I am going to lead with love and I will spread nothing but love. And I will be the love that I wish to seek and experience in my life. The other is reactive. I used to be driven, <laughs> I used to be driven by a desire to receive accolades. Has anyone ever, ever lived in that? Like, I wanted to be noticed. I wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted awards. I wanted awards for things. And, and you know what? I'm proud of recognition that I have received for things. I, I think about VICA, the Vocational Industrial Clubs of America, which is now, what, Skills USA. When Karimon and I were in high school, we were part of this organization, and she was in that organization and would compete as a photographer, and I was in the organization, and I competed as a graphic designer. And the very first year that I competed as a graphic designer was the very first year that our school had competed in that category, and we went up and we did the state, uh, we did the state uh, championship, and Nobody expected anybody from my class to win anything because we were all new to this. And we had to learn new skills the week we were going up there. And this is all before computers. So I was literally learning skills about how to take acetate and, and, and uh, like actually create things by taking, well, it doesn't matter. Nobody expected anybody to win. But you know what? I came in second place. And that was really exciting. I was like, oh. Doesn't it feel good to receive the recognition and the accolades? It does feel good. I am proud that I have received an ovation award nomination for work in theatrical sound design and small theater in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, the ovation awards are akin to the Tony Awards in, on Broadway. I, and, and this is something that not a lot of people know. I'm actually an Emmy-nominated producer. Uh, back in the late 90s, I worked at Food Network. Yeah, I worked as a segment producer on a show at Food Network. And the year that I was working there, our show was nominated for Outstanding Service Show. Martha Stewart won. Yeah. But just to be nominated, right? Oh, everybody says it, just to be nominated. It does feel good. It does feel good to be recognized. But do you require, do, uh, not do you, do I require that recognition to live my best life? Or am I allowing a lack of recognition to hold me back from the things I would like to be in my life? I am no longer led by a drive for accolades. 
because that's seeking for approval outside the self. When I know who I am, when I know that I am love, I am power, I am peace, I am joy, I am wisdom, when I know that, my life shifts. I don't need to be, it doesn't need to be proven by anything outside the self. I know it. I know it. Do you know it? Not about me. Do you know it about yourself? Wouldn't that be funny? Do you know how fabulous I am? <laughs> Could you imagine me ask, asking that question? <laughs> Tonight is the Tony Awards, and having spent 20 years in the theater, it's, you know, it's a big night. I love watching the Tony Awards. And, and, and yet, I know what it takes for those few people who are recognized. I know what it takes for them to get up on that stage when they win the award, even to be nominated. There, are, there is so much that happens behind the scenes that never gets recognized. And what that illuminates for me today, as I watch tonight, I'm going to be thinking about this idea. What that illuminates for me today is this idea, the necessity of community. Because it's never, ever, 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 ever just one person making something happen. It is not me who has made Tucson New Thought happen. The seed was planted in my mind and I allowed it to come forth into fruition, but it is this community that makes it happen. I'm just the lucky one who gets to stand up here on a Sunday and, you know, say something and sing and hopefully inspire, trusting that I inspire. Community, common unity. Community is rooted in a sense of belonging. It is a place where I believe we can find comfort in difficult times. That's what I would like Tucson New Thought to be, a place where you feel you belong, a place where you can find comfort in difficult times. One mistake, I will say, because we all, is there anyone who has never had a difficult time in their life? I just wanted to make sure. One mistake of spiritual understanding is that the ultimate goal, and, and it's funny because we actually, we, we actually utilize this in one of our core concepts, which is to say that we have the desire to eliminate all discord in our lives. And I think that's actually a mistake. I think we can eliminate discord in our lives, but we, we may be setting ourselves up for not allowing the evolutionary growth that is required. Because sometimes what happens when we have discord in our lives or difficulty in our lives is we are then forced to confront the places in which we are not evolving and we are given the choice to grow through the difficulty at that point. We are not here to eliminate discord. We are here to provide a construct for growing through discord. That's what I think the power of spirituality can be. There are no victims. All right. There are no victims. There are only volunteers. What is your lead? Do you lead with the consciousness of being a victim? Because I'll tell you what, if you lead with the consciousness of being a victim, even below the level of your awareness, what you will attract into your life are perpetrators to your victimization. Conversely, do you lead with the consciousness of being a perpetrator, even below the level of awareness? Because if you lead with the consciousness of being a perpetrator, what you will find are victims coming into your life. Today, 
I choose to lead with love. I choose to let go of the paradigm of being a victim or being a perpetrator. I choose to lead with love. None of us are in this journey of life alone. We have a common unity. We have decided that we have a common unity in this paradigm of Tucson New Thought. We all share in multiple common unities. I am part of the LGBTQ community. I sing with Reveille, and there is a common unity within that construct. We gracefully go through all of these common unities, all of these communities, and we find those places that, that settle in our hearts where we are led by love and we lead with love. So let's collectively choose this week and at all times to lead with love. You ready for the homework? <gasps> right? I give homework. I give homework. Those who have never been here before, I give homework. This week, I'm going to invite you all to spark. Here's what spark means. Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. One of my favorite, and it's the one that you, everybody always talks about, but I love it. I go through the Starbucks drive-through, and I always buy the person behind me their coffee, so that and, and you know I I always trust that I'm going to be far away before they can see who it was that bought their coffee. But just little things like that that make people go, oh, somebody did something lovely for me today, and then that grows because I think what happens is when somebody does something lovely for me, and it's not a requirement, but when somebody does something lovely for me. I am more inclined to do lovely things for other people as well. But we're the point at which that starts. So spark this week. That's your homework. Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. And let it be random. You'll know what it is when it is in your field. Let yourself be led by love and allow yourself to lead with love this week. That's my message. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.